0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2082. This week on Cars Yeah, you better buckle up because we're celebrating the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion that takes place August 17th through the 20th at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. To learn more and get your tickets, go to weathertechraceway.com. Be prepared to be inspired. with a very special returning guest by the name of Craig Jackson. Yep, you all know Craig. Craig, welcome back to Cars. Yeah, do you have any gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? I am. You're always ready. We'll have some fun here. Now, this is going to be a little different show with you today because we're going to be focusing on vintage racing primarily. I think a lot of people may not know that you're a vintage racer. Uh, They know, of course, about Barrett-Jackson and all the auctions and so forth. And we talked about that in depth back in July of 2020, and we all know what was going on then, the dreaded COVID and all the effects. We're kind of coming out of that. You guys are just... Gosh, you guys have been busy. Before we dive into this and I give you a proper introduction, I wanted to touch a little bit about the next auction coming up here in Las Vegas, right?
1: Yes. June 30th through July 2nd, we'll be returning to Las Vegas. Last year, it was our first year in the new hall that they just built, the new West Hall. And we were one of the first public events in there in 2021. So we're returning and, uh, Everything fits under one room. Pretty spectacular. And uh, you know, now they've got the Tesla tunnels there. Uh, we actually have a guy up there today doing site inspections. That goes ties the other convention center together to it. But then you can also go over to Resort World, our host hotel, which hopefully they are finishing that any day now. So it's a pretty spectacular build they've done. And uh, we're looking forward to it.
0: What are some of the things that people can look forward to? I know there's too much to talk about here because we're going to dive into the racing, but what are maybe some of the highlights coming up for Barrett-Jackson in Las Vegas this year?
1: Well, to start with, we always kick off with a party. So, we are going to do the party at the Zook Nightclub over at uh, Resorts World. We brought back our garage. So, when we were at Mandalay Bay, everybody wanted a place to go hang out afterwards. You know, then getting into the car, selling uh, Paul Stanley's uh, VIN 1 2022 Corvette, (laughs) having a real 1963 Z06 Corvette, one of 199 offered. Uh, I just did a piece down in the studio on a beautiful 1969 Boss 9, one of the best I've ever seen. So, you know, Barrett-Jackson's about uh, the broadness of the docket, as we say, you know, diversity in the docket, something for everybody. Plus, we'll be having the ride and drives out there with Dodge and Toyota doing their thrill rides. So it's very interactive coming to Barrett-Jackson in a beautiful setting on holiday weekend.
0: It's going to be so much fun. Cannot wait. Let me give you a bit of an introduction, and then we're going to dive into this uh, event. You're going to be driving in August at uh, Laguna Seca. Craig Jackson is the chairman and CEO of barrett jackson auction company. Over the decades, he has earned the reputation as one of the world's most respected automotive collectors and restoration experts. In addition to the numerous Bear jackson auctions that take place across the country, Craig is an avid automotive collector, an enthusiast of course, and he's a vintage racer. And this summer, he'll be running a 1969 Javelin Trans Am race car, at the Rolex Motorsport Reunion on the iconic WeatherTech Laguna Seca Raceway. This is a car that was campaigned in 1969 by Ron Grable on the East Coast and Jerry Grant on the West Coast, and the car became a mule, was driven by Mark Donahue to figure out what worked and what didn't, before Penske Racing started building their new 1970 Sunoco Penske Trans Am Javelin team car. You are going to have some fun. We'll be back in just a minute to learn more about this car and a lot more about Barrett-Jackson, but first a value word from our sponsors, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Keep the seatbelts cinched tight. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guards for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word YEAH, Y-E-A-H, 21 at checkout, YEAH21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Zengine. It's a company that I learned about when I had Zengine's Matt Spurlock as a guest here on Cars Yeah. Matt's helping us enthusiasts understand the benefits of using oil analysis and proper sampling methods with the Zengine Consumer Testing Service to determine the condition of your engine in anything from cars to motorcycles, boats, and even aircraft engines. I gave it a try with my two vehicles, sent in my samples with their easy-to-use sample kit, and received my own personal ZenGen report. I was thrilled to discover that both my cars got the perfect score of 10. Huh, what a relief. Wouldn't you like to know what's going on inside your engine before something expensive goes wrong that you had no idea was lurking under the hood? It's like a blood test for your body, but for your vehicle. Father's Day is coming, and I know Dad doesn't want another pair of socks or a goofy tie. This year, give Dad his very own Zengine oil test kit, and you'll make him smile. And I've got a great deal for you and for Dad. Go to zenginescore.com and use the code Yeah 20 and you'll get 20% off your first two kits. What a deal! Preventative knowledge and maintenance could save you thousands, and you'll rest better at night knowing your engine's condition is A-OK. That's ZenGinscore.com and use the code Cars yeah 20 today. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo That's right, the one I call My orange crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings. Not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866 aci Yeah. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars. Yeah, American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So Craig, we are back. So I want to dive a little deeper in the corner. This is something that you love to do. And I've talked to a lot of my friends and I said that you were coming back on the show and we were going to primarily talk about vintage racing and they went, oh, I, I know Craig's a car guy, but I didn't know he was an avid vintage racer. So tell us about your passion for driving on a track in these cars. And I want to know more about this Trans Am because that is one of those cars that I think I've loved those ever since I was a little boy. They just have a great look about them. So Vintage racing, racing in general. Tell us about your history in the seat of a race car.
1: So, thank you. This started uh, my brother vintage race. We still have his race car, his 1965 GT350 that was uh, converted to an R model when it was brand new. They wouldn't sell the gentleman that wanted one an, an R model. So he bought one and had it converted, bought all the parts from Shelby America, Tasca Ford, turned it into an R model, and air freighted back out to L.A. Wow. So he, he did a workaround. So my brother campaigned that car for years. He bought this Javelin and never raced it before he passed away. And then, uh, funny story, I was asked by the group that runs the racing, because I was racing his GT350 at the time, and they said, uh, We're all going to be racing in Seattle this weekend, the weekend of Goodwood. Goodwood wants a a Trans Am couple of cars to go to Goodwood, and being you're not running in the group, would you take your brother's Javelin there? Well, I'll make a long story short. A, it didn't have an engine in it, and uh, I was traveling, so I bought a fully done engine and had it put in. Had the car air freighted over there. And first time I ever sat in it with a running engine was at the starting line at Goodwood for the hill climb with sticky notes all over it, how to start it, how to warm it up. Oh, my gosh. And a big one on the steering wheel, bed in brakes before driving. I'm sitting at the starting line going, yeah, that isn't really going to happen. No. (laughs) <laughs> so, nor had i got in late nor had i walked up the hill but the guy goes there's a big stone wall up the hill you're yeah. gonna have to uh slow down and break when you hit it right, i go screaming <laughs> up the hill i head towards that stone wall start hitting the brakes i'm like no brakes no break. i was betting them in in real time oh made the curve wow it was uh one of those things you'll never forget—the first time you ever driven a race car—and you're like, "Yeah, I probably should have got here a little earlier." Uh, yeah, but I was I running think so. a company at the same time. That was back in like '01, I think. We took that car over there. We were meeting uh, in Monaco at that time, so I spent a lot of time in Europe. We shipped the car back after I played with it over there for a while. Then I started campaigning it and fell in love with the car. So it's. Uh, been in our Jackson family since '89. Started racing it like 2002, somewhere in there, and uh, actively racing it. And uh, it's a great car. I love running it. It's nimble. Um, you know, we figured out the engines back then when my brother got the car, it came with all these Traco engines, all having holes in the sides of the block. And, uh, we figured out how to make it oil and run and, you know, produces pretty good horsepower for being a 303 engine. It's a fun car to drive. I like it a lot. I've raced it probably more than I've raced, the Gurney AAR Cuda, his retirement car. That's my other Trans Am car. And I just like Trans Am. It was just one of those golden eras. The cars are fast and loud and very colorful, but they're old analog. You got to know how to drive it with your right foot. They're a little loose and you just got how to know how to stick it in the corners and drive
0: no kidding you know you and i were chatting a bit before we started the shutter day and you were talking to me about roger penske because this car has a history with them i mean mark donahue drove this car it was a mule car the way i understand it yeah you sat down with uh, roger and uh, talked a little bit about this car tell me about that conversation
1: so october or september of 2019 Roger was selling a charity car at our Vegas auction, and I asked, would you spend a few minutes with me uh, ahead of time? He's very gracious, said, yeah, absolutely. So we set up an area to interview him about the car. He comes over, sits down, we had two director chairs, and I, I go, thank you for doing this. I go, I I know this was sort of ad hoc, I don't know what you remember about the car, but this was car number three, Jerry Grant's and uh, Ron Grable's car. And uh, as I understood it, because I talked to his crew chief back then, Woody, about the car, and he told me the stories. He told me that you guys took these three cars over at Riverside. This was the best car, and that this was the one that uh, Woody said that you did most of the development on. And he goes, Craig, he wouldn't let me finish there. He goes, Craig, let me tell you the story about this car. (laughs) He goes, this car is very significant to, to us at Penske. The reason why is after all that testing and, and, and they figured out with this car that, yes, we could build a, a car that could win. They figured out a lot of stuff. It has a lot of uh, early development parts that they put on. They kept using it after that, but they used it out the track. Woody actually was in the car with an uh, oil pressure gauge. They're trying different oil pans on it at the track. Riding around with no seat, strapped into the back of the roll cage, oh, going around gosh. to see when it loses oil pressure. And they kept playing with the suspension, and they had the guys out there playing with all that, and kept getting his lap times at Riverside faster and faster and faster, till Donahue said, yeah, I can win in this car. Now, mind you, they just finished at Riverside in the Camaro in 69 and won the championship. So this was a big gamble. Oh, yeah. So Roger tells me, he goes, here's the best part of the story. And I got this on video, which is awesome. He goes, <laughs> After they told us, everybody decided that we could win with this car, I went and negotiated with AMC. They wrote me a big enough check that I could go buy Michigan Motor Speedway and my first Learjet. Oh, my God. And that gosh. Motorsports. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and he turned around and pointed because of car number three. That was the car.
0: Oh, my God. Donahue gosh.
1: drove enough to say, We can go win with it. They didn't win in 70, they stole some teething pains on the motors, but in 71 they won the championship and uh, they were very competitive fast. it was just dependability. So both the cars I have are both very fast. it was just the oiling and the in the both of them keeping them to spin and yeah. not throw rods out. But, My uh,
0: gosh! Well,
1: It was a great story to have Roger tell me that, and he's, uh, it still has all their stuff from Donahue's uh, The Unfair Advantage book on it when we got it, mm-hmm. the two-gallon oil filler and the two-inch uh, gas line going up to the front and the hind-jointed suspension. It's all acid-dipped. So they took the car from what was and turned it into the pre-car before they started building their actual car. So it's a cool history. Oh, That's why cool. I try to be... Safe when I drive it, but it's fun. It's nimble. And I've been vintage racing ever since uh, I started driving that car. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, I love driving cars. I, I am a founding member of our Apex Motorsports uh, facility out here in Arizona, and it's going to live in my new condo out there nice. with Gurney's retirement car. And it's the same thing with Gurney. I went to AAR, I took the CUDA over there, and I thought it was going to be a pest. To Dan. Dan invited all the crew members that were still alive and live in the area to come down and sit with me. Oh my gosh. And brought me one of the original shirts that they all wore, gave me a bunch of pictures of the car back in the era. I had to scan them and told me the whole story of the development of that car. So, I got the history from Roger Penske. I got the history from Dan Gurney. You know, these are times in history that you just can't, uh, you know, recreate that much yeah. uh, once people are, are gone. But I look forward to seeing Roger this weekend out mm-hmm. at uh, Indy. It's always a pleasure whenever he's at the auction. His memory of the history of the cars is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, well, the captain. He is the captain. the captain. So, yeah, absolutely. When you're driving this car, you talk about it being pretty nimble, fun to drive. What's your favorite aspect when you think about taking it at? To Laguna Seca, for say, se, because every track's different. But Laguna Seca, that track has a lot of unique dynamics going on. There's so many different things. And I had Bruce Canup on the show Monday, and he's you know been on that track probably more than anybody. And he said every time he drives that track, he learns something new about it, even after all this time. What is that track like for you?
1: You know, I don't have the advantage of the thousands of laps that Bruce has on it, but I did send the car to be set up by Bruce. He drives one of these. I actually have a picture uh, at Coronado Island. Uh, Different track. That one's a flat track where you just lay out cones. I end up winning that race. It ended up being a Javelin one 2 3 Cool. Laguna Seca and Sears Point, I still call it Sears Point, are different (laughs) because they're both sort of hometown tracks, so... Whenever I can, I get right on Bruce's bumper and uh, let him show me the real lines, especially in the races. One race we went from, he had a transmission problem and I had a fuel problem. So we started at the back of the pack and I go, Bruce, I'm going to hang on your bumper. We passed 22 cars on our way up to the front.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Talk about hooking up to a train. Man, I'll tell you, if you're going to hook up with anybody, he's the guy to hook up with. He talked about that in his Porsche 935, how he likes to start at the back and work his way through the pack. You know, Craig, I know that you have some really fond memories of going to and growing up around the Indy 500. Your father's business partner, uh, Tom Barrett, was a fixture of that event for decades. What does that Indy 500 race mean for you?
1: you know going there with Tom back in the era and I I called it sort of the golden era that's before CART and IRL split up and you had everybody there and back in the uh, late 80s into the 90s. Barrett had his suite there when they built the brand new suites. He would fly out, go to qualifying, come home for the week, and then fly back out for carburation weekend. I never went the first weekend. I went a lot of times with him the second weekend. And I have a lot of pictures uh, with Tom walking the cars on the track uh, early in the morning, you always wanted to get that 44 pass so you could go out there and go into the, the hot pits and walk where you wanted to go. And because Tom sponsored cars, uh, it gave us uh, unique uh, access. And, you know, this year we are sponsoring a car and we're giving some throwbacks to Tom Barrett. Uh, you know, I think that uh, I follow a lot in his footsteps of uh, the auction, but I also love racing like he did and i i give him full credit for taking us to indy many many years i'm actually going to stay in the same hotel we stayed at with tom i'm taking everybody down memory road memory lane and it's a road to the indy 500 with a fully sponsored barrett-jackson livery car
0: yeah tell us about this car this is cool
1: so this car the the driver of the car has actually been to barrett-jackson that's what I thought made it so cool. And a lot of my customers know him and the relationship there. So, you know, he's been rookie of the year. Centino is just a super nice guy. And, you know, he's finished seventh, fourth. He's been up there. He's never finished under the top 10. So he's got a shot. And, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those moments when you go there and you watch him in the pit stop uh Competition—it's one of the cars that's going to be in that. He qualified 15th. He was having a vibration on one of the front tires. Uh, he didn't push it, and, and I told him just don't bend it. Make, yeah, make, yeah. make the, make it into the race, and the rest of it'll all sort out. And I like that he's very—he uh, he drives with his head as well as uh, very fast, very smooth. And uh, I think this whole thing is going to be. One of those things that's been on my bucket list to sponsor under, you know, Tom would be one of the sponsors. We're one of the main sponsors on this car.
0: Yeah, I know that you're doing this along with what you call uh, Driven Hearts, a campaign for the American Heart Association. And there's going to be, gosh, hundreds of thousands of fans in attendance and millions of people watching this. What's the importance of uh, Driven Hearts and the American Heart Association for you?
1: Well... Back in 2018, my wife chaired the Heartball here in Arizona, but she did something unique. Normally, you only uh, market within your area. What she did with the auction is, you know, we sold cars at all the auctions, and several of them got bought, resold, bought, resold, gifted back this 35th anniversary car. What we did it for, you know, I had this 35th anniversary Corvette that a guy named Dave Ressler gave my mom and I on the auction block for our 35th anniversary, sort of, I guess the staff knew it, but I didn't, sort of hit my mom and I, they said, please come to the auction block, went to the auction block, and they presented us this car, and I told Dave I'd never sell it. Well, uh, two of my most important customers that help us with charity, Dave Ressler, who is Just been a great charitable guy. He died suddenly of a heart attack. And another one of my great customers, Greg Mousy, died suddenly of a heart attack. And my wife took on this mission to raise awareness through Driven Hearts. And uh, the American Heart Association, the head of it, the CEO, came to her heart ball and made a speech that not only did you raise millions of dollars, you raised $5.3 million worth of impressions across the nation to raise awareness. We got a lot of people that after we did it that wrote us letters saying, you know, you saved my husband's life. I didn't know what all the signs of a stroke were or that I should go and get tested for certain things. That's what makes it so special. To take it full circle, after selling all these cars, the one car and then we had another one donated just like it, that one Corvette raised a million dollars. It got bought and sold so many times at the four auctions that uh, the people that helped me do it, the Mousies, who were the first one that bought it and donated it back, and Joe Riley, who bought it and donated it back. Several of these people are coming with us to the Indy 500. So there's a reason why, and we want to keep the awareness going. We are re-energizing Driven Hearts as a vehicle to raise awareness for heart disease, and uh, we don't want the effort that my wife did to uh, sort of die off. We Mm want to keep bringing it back and bringing back the awareness. And I think now with COVID and everything else, it's even more important. People have been sitting around, they've been locked up. People are getting out and doing stuff. You know, you saw somebody die just the other day in New York running the marathon. You know, people got to get back out at it in a safe manner and know the signs of stroke and heart attack. And that's why we're doing Driven Hearts and giving it such a large platform to uh, be promoted.
0: Well, bravo for that. Well, we'll all be rooting uh, Santino Ferrucci. Yes. Uh, in the uh, Bear Jackson car, the dryer and ride racing car at the Indy 500. We're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. Let's get back to some vintage racing. So keep the seatbelt tight. We'll be right back. I've teamed up with Auto Geek because. Well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from Auto Geek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against Against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to AutoGeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. AutoGeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market. So we're back. So let's talk more about vintage racing. Is there a vintage race car that you can think of that you would really love to jump into and take around the track?
1: Oh, there's quite a few. Uh, When (laughs) I'm in the pits with my friends. You know, they're driving cars that I know I probably shouldn't because I tend to have a, uh, a go-for-it attitude, but uh, <laughs> some of the, uh, you know, my brother, I'll give a nod to him in this. My brother raced cars. Uh, our restoration shop started out as my brother's race shop. My brother went to Europe with Phil Hill when they filmed the movie Grand Prix. Phil was my brother's best man at his wedding, and I went to to all the races back at Stardust, Riverside, all the West Coast races with my brother when they got back from Europe with the chaparrels. I would love to drive one of Phil's or, you know, Jim Hall's chaparrels. Oh, I remember watching man. those go around Riverside and Stardust. With the wing up, I was at Stardust when Jim Hall's car broke apart. I um, oh, actually had a piece of it in my, uh, in my bedroom for a long time one of the front uh, canards from the front of it. I had all the Cox cars of that era. You know, I grew up remembering my brother. There's a street here in Arizona called Chaparral. Mm-hmm. My brother took one of the sign top of the street signs and made the clipboard for Europe. So when you see the pictures of them, there's a green and white Scottsdale, Arizona street sign is the head of the, nice. the pit sign. So I have a, an attachment to those cars. I love that whole era cars. I love the Trans Am. I love the Group 7 cars. Mm-hmm. I would probably race a Group 7 car. A friend of mine has one, and he goes, it's got all the side protection of a wicker chair. He goes, it's one piece of thin aluminum wrapped in gasoline <laughs> that I sit in. <laughs> oh, God! Yeah, maybe I won't drive one of these.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty gnarly. Do you remember vintage at the vintage races the historic races there laguna seca when uh the featured car was well featured guy was jim hall and the chaparrales and i remember vic elford uh of course we lost him last year but jumping into the vacuum car yeah and taking that around the track the And my too. yeah my son was standing there and he goes what's with the box on the back of that car and i said well let's go over and i remember jim hall actually spent some time with my son explaining what they did there and uh it was just so cool i mean what how can you go wrong with a race car named chaparral
1: no and jim hall you know he was the first guy that brought aerodynamics into uh racing and he was also the first guy that brought it into the indy 500 he figured out how to make the cars have the tunnel down the bottom and suck the car down. He's been honored at quite a few places. I've gone to uh, the different places where he's been honored. I think he will go down in history as one of those guys that was just sort of a maverick that did it his way. So I love Gurney so much with AAR and Carroll and these guys, you know. They just, uh, yeah, let's try to figure out something different. And Roger. I mean, Roger is still oh, the king of it. But uh across the board but across that era i love those high horsepower cars i know myself so i probably won't go out vintage race one you know if i had another car to choose i'd probably choose one of the cobra coupes to go out and take it out have fun with it
0: no kidding that would be pretty special so i'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here i'm going to be your car psychologist this is a unique question for you craig if you were reincarnated Excuse the pun, but I'm using it for a reason. As a race car, and this isn't what you want to be. you got to dig a little deeper for me here. This is your perception of the man in the mirror. Digging deep inside of who you really are. Which vintage race car would Craig Jackson be? And more importantly, why?
1: You know, probably like a car like Bruce drives, the 935 Porsche. Mm. Uh, I I love those cars. They are sophistication. They are raw horsepower, and you, you got to know how to drive them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of Porsches in my lifetime, and I've thought several times about getting a 935, and then I go, you know what? I, It's like flying a helicopter. You got to do it all the time if you want to be good at it. And I think that they are a a car that is uh, just so uh, iconic in vintage racing and a car that I think really just stood the test of time. And if you're going to be anything, you should be something that stands the test of time. <laughs>
0: yeah, the 911 and that era and that whole process of those cars and the race cars and the turbo cars. And as Bruce has said, they were cars that a lot of people even today don't like to drive because if you don't have seat time in them, they can be a little dicey, right?
1: They'll come around on you. It's like friends of mine have helicopters. I'm like, i thought about getting one. Like, Unless you got a thousand hours, don't get one. No, don't, no. It'll bite you. It's like driving a fast race car that comes around on you like the Porsche. Don't do it unless you got enough seat time.
0: I have a high school friend that went on to fly fighter jets, and I asked him about helicopters if he'd ever like to fly one. He said, those things are trying to tear themselves apart. I'd never get one of those. And here's a guy that flies <laughs> fighter jets off aircraft carriers, you know? Yeah, so that's a good way to think about it. You know, philanthropy is a very key element as a part of the barrett-jackson legacy and you and your wife carolyn you have done so much for so many charities uh we just mentioned one earlier about american heart association uh hashtag driven hearts tell tell our listeners more about why this is so important to you and your family because it's it's a key element of every single auction you guys have
1: well, Barrett Jackson started with Tom Barrett and Russ Jackson doing a charity car show in downtown Scottsdale called the Fiesta de los Autos Elegance. And the poster is actually a cowboy riding a Bugatti Royale. So <laughs> nice. Tom Barrett had one of the greatest pre-war collections of cars back then, and he got a great nucleus for a local car show. But after they'd decide not to do the car show anymore and start the auction. They always raised money for charity. My dad and my mom were involved in several charities. So I grew up through that. It was Steve Davis that was working with Ford Motor Company that figured out, you know, if we sell these VIN number ones, that's what really threw the gasoline on it. Ford donated the first GT500. And since then... Uh, we've sold almost every important VIN one charity car that all the manufacturers bring them to us. We don't charge commission to sell them. Uh, we love our you know people that we raise the money for. It's cancer research, which took my brother, and my dad. Heart Association, which took my mother. Our veterans, our first responders. You know, we try to. Uh, give it a little bit of uh, diversity as mm-hmm. the times are changing as to who needs help. But the main thing is uh, picking charities that we that this amount of money can make truly a life-changing impact and following up with the charities and seeing and having them come back and show us. We just did in uh, our Florida auction, we raised a million dollars selling a Shelby for uh, Ukraine for Samaritan's uh
0: purse
1: and another $760,000 raised in the room of additional donations. That was spontaneous.
0: Wow. Incredible. Wow. So
1: that's our customers.
0: Yeah, well, it really is. and But you know what? You guys are the uh, the catalyst that makes that happen. So uh, my hat's off to you. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And it continues on. Is there a great book that you've read recently? I know you travel all the time. Do you ever have time to crack open a book when you're flying around looking at all these collections?
1: My wife always gives me uh, motivational books. There's uh, several. I don't want to just plug one author. But she's like, you know, you can always learn new management things. And New uh, new ideas, so yes. Uh, I read almost every periodical out there. I love uh, just general knowledge. My staff, they'll talk to me about something, and I, I in-depth read stuff because I like just learning about different things, but you can always learn to be a better manager and how to, how to run your team. Read one on Netflix, their, their management style on how they do it. Different, they have a no-strike rule. They give you as much rope as you want. If they catch you doing anything wrong, you're out. I was like, oh, that's sort of harsh, but I guess it sets the line. Yeah. But, there, you know, I think that as the world's evolving, managers need to learn to evolve, and technology keeps evolving. I read a lot of tech stuff, too, to see where the world's going. That's how you stay ahead. Yeah. And then when you, when you get somebody that gives you a pitch, you can ask them pretty intelligent questions.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So here's a, uh, a magic wand moment for you. If I could put you into any race car in the world and put you on any track in the world, what car would you be in, and what track would you
1: be in? That's a hard one. I know. Okay, (laughs) if it had Nerf walls, I'd probably (laughs) want to be in uh, one of the Red Bulls or one of the Ferraris this year at Monaco this next weekend. Ah, yeah. Now, I've run Monaco. We are the official auction house of the Monaco Historic Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. So for one hour, we would take the cars around the track so i actually have seat time on the track wow. there. and it's amazing how fast those walls come up uh <laughs> yeah. and how tight that course is yeah even when you're in a car going a quarter of the speed you know i was doing it one year in a type 35 uh bugatti i did it another year in a in a Gullwing. so uh you know i did it an alpha 2300 one year wow so it's uh you know it, it takes you back to that era when you're in a car that used to actually, you know, be on the track back in the day. And it gives you a big appreciation for the, the guys that race those and the lack of safety equipment. Still roll bar. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I got a leather helmet on.
0: <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It is. It's, uh yeah, the daring young men uh, back in the day, uh, just frightening, frightening stuff. Well, You know, before I let you go today, I wonder if you could just leave us with some parting words and thoughts about people that maybe are listening that have not attended the Rolex Monterey Motorsports reunion. This will be my 31st or 32nd year going. I got my racing license at that track way back when Skip Barber was there. I've raced on that track. You've been on it many, many times. What could you say to people that have never gone to the historic races that would get them on an airplane and get them out to that event?
1: You know, you can go to car shows and you can come and see the cars, but seeing the cars and what I think is so special and why I like running Monterey is, you know, I've raced my car at a lot of places and the rules aren't maybe as tight, let's say, at some places. Here, the cars are all the way they had to be back in the day. You know, we've added fire systems and, you know, things to them to make them a little safer, but the horsepower, the brake, you get to actually see what the cars used to be like. And seeing everybody out there, how competitive in a lot of these classes it is, because you're all limited, like in Trans Am, to 303, 304, it's under 305 cubic inches uh, all total. Um, you see, it's the driver, but you see how the cars handle. But you get rolling history is what, what I would put it. It truly really is.
0: Plus, you get to walk up and be right up close and personal with these cars. You get to talk to the drivers. There's, there's so many uh, sponsors there and events and, and things happening that whole week. But the races there are uh, they're once in a lifetime. As uh, Bruce Canepa said, you would have to go to many, many events all over the world to see all the vehicles that you see during that week and especially out on that
1: racetrack. So
0: we look forward to seeing you. In that Trans Am, what are the many ways people can learn more about Barrett Jackson?
1: Go to our website barrett-jackson.com, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-Jackson, and check out our next auction that's coming up. And uh, you know, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram. So you know, we uh, we try to enlighten people as to what's happening. And uh, if you come to Barrett-Jackson, it's a party, and you'll also see where the trends are going in cars, because that's what I think we pride ourselves on, being early adapters as collector cars keep evolving
0: absolutely so listeners remember we support the rolex monterey motorsports reunion here it's taking place august 17th through the 20th at weathertech raceway laguna seca If you want to learn more go to their website weathertechraceway.com craig thanks for spending some more time with me today i can't wait to see you at the races until you and i talk again i'll see you at the rolex monterey motorsports reunion
1: thank you been a pleasure
0: this was fun